Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I am your host for the Inclusion Bites podcast. In this series, I have interviewed a number of amazing people and simply had a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd like to join me in the future, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at cchangehappen.co.uk. That's s-w-e-changehappen.co.uk. You can catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 68 with the title, Life is Just a Game. And I have the absolute honour and privilege to welcome Lynn Erasmus. Lynn describes herself as an internal optimist who believes that life is just a game. We may not always win, but we have to play. Winning is better. When I asked Lynn to describe her superpower, she said that she is an ideas generator who is able to spot an opportunity when others see a challenge. Hello, Lynn. Welcome to the show. Hi, Joanne. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> yeah, we met the other week and I've been looking forward to catching up again. So absolutely fantastic. So, oh, Lynn, that was so much fun. Life is just a game. Why, why is it just a game? Um, where do I begin? <laughs> I find um, we take life way too seriously. So for me, I think from a young age, I've learned that um, the more the more you see life as just a game, it's just an opportunity for you to play a different board game. If you if you get bored with Monopoly, you can choose Dominoes, and if you're bored with Dominoes, you can choose Chess, and we're all good with different games. So a poker player might not be good at darts, etc. So we all got our specialities in life that we enjoy doing. And if we don't if we don't take it so very, very seriously, we tend to have more fun. And when we have fun, our ideas just keep on coming. So you can't afford not to see life as just a game. And of course, we all want to win. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met anyone who says, yay, let's go play some games and then thinking, I want to lose today. No, it's the same as life. We want to win. <laughs> Just not by cheating, please. <laughs> I, I think that's great. I mean, I there are games that I love to play. There are games that I play and games that I kind of will play, but I really don't want to. Yes. So my attitude and my enthusiasm and my, it's not even down to standard capability. It's just whether I'm engaged in it or not Dep- depends on how I will put it in. So I'm just thinking about, I often play um, pool, billiards, no pool, uh, in, in the pubs and bars and things. Okay. And I don't mind it. I don't mind potting a few balls. I don't mind doing it. But just to play against someone who's really deadly serious about the whole game, it's like, I really don't want to take it that seriously. I want to just hit the ball around a bit, have a chat, have the social side. And I can, I can pot a ball, but I get a bit bored with it after about, I don't know, 15 minutes. <laughs> I just go. So I know what you mean, but there's other games that I will, I will play intently and uh, some, some computer games and some, uh, some physical games that I do want to play to win. Yeah. Exactly. So that's really interesting what you said there. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got this metaphor that I use that say, we sit around a table and there's six of us 
and we all handed a game. But you have to pass your game to the person on the left. And that person is going to play your game for you. So whether you win or lose, it's up to the person on the left. You've got nothing to do with it. It's it's not, uh, you can't influence it. For me, that was the biggest, uh, that's what we do daily, on a daily basis. We hand our game to the person next door and they run our lives. We've, we've got no say over it. We don't, we don't interfere. We don't take our board game back and say, no, 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 no. I want to win, so I'm going to play my game. We give it away. We give our power away to other people, and they play our game for us. <laughs> for me, it's just, why? Why are you doing that? It's your game. You need to play your game. You need to participate. You need to have your say as to whether it's right or wrong. Or are you going to go to the left? Or are you going to go to the right? Because no one else has got your best interests at heart as much as you do. I mean, they're going to, if there's a one million pound uh, uh, prize on the line and uh, the person on the left is going to play your game, how nervous are you going to be? And how well are you going to play the other person's game? You're not going to care too much. You're not going to play to win because you're not going to win the money. They're going to win the money. So you're probably going to play really poorly. (laughs) Isn't there a danger that if we're all playing in this game of life, but we all have different rules or different motivations that we, as individuals, we wouldn't that generate conflict or um, confusion? How do we reconcile that? Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Now, see, that's the other part about playing games. Every game has got a rule book. So you need to know the rules to break the rules because you have to break the rules to win. And please, before anyone says, Lynn, you're not allowed to break the laws. It's not breaking laws. There's obviously a difference between as a, a rule, and I, I call the rule the one that you created. It's your own mindset. It's your belief. It's your faith. It's your uh, behavior. Uh, it's a thought, and it starts with a thought, something that happens, and it becomes a story, and that story becomes a rule that you live by, and it's up to you to decide whether that's true or false. And obviously, society will put it upon you and say, this is the rules that you need to play by. This is how you need to behave in in in, in public. This is how you need to uh, go about in your career. This is how you need to play the game. And yes, sometimes it is true, but often it's not the way you as an individual need to play that game. Your style is different to what they expect you to do. And we can't all be the same. We're not all the same. We are all individual with our own tastes and beliefs and uh, uh, our backgrounds, you know, where we come from and our desires, where we want to be and what we believe is ours and what we believe is not. So you need to be brave enough to break those rules, to break all those self-limiting beliefs about who you are and what you're meant to do and how you're going to get there. Create your own path. Become a trailblazer. You know, that's if you want to win. If you don't want to win, then fine. Stick with the rules. <laughs> do, you think, do you think people are scared to be an outlier? Because, you know, we, 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 we've, we've, had, we've created these rules about what professional looks like, what professional sounds like. Hmm. So forget the, the compliance in our day-to-day job role. 
just how we're supposed to show up, how we're supposed to speak. Mm. So we often see people who maybe, you know, I, I grew up in the 70s, 60s and 70s. So I was a, there was punk, there's mods, there's rockers, mm. uh, new romantics came along, all these different sort of youth mm. cultures and styles. And anyone who was adopting that sort of cultural style was kind of the outlier. You know, yes. the, the plain Jane was kind of, uh, not outs, not not overly extrovert dress or or, or shoes or, or hair. Yeah. It was kind of just mummy dressed them in the morning sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> whereas you could tell some were kind of like living on the edge. There, how, how do we get permission to do that? It's you. It's you. You need to give yourself permission, and I think that's the hardest thing of all. I mean, I've been playing by the rule books um, most of my life until. One day when I decided that that doesn't suit me, I can't, I can't play other people's games just because um, I'm too scared to enjoy my own game because my own way of doing things is perhaps not as socially acceptable and that can be in the way that I speak. It can be in the way that I laugh at things. Um, people think that if you are happy – that you don't take life seriously. And it's the complete opposite. I take life very seriously because it's a game and I want to win. So this is, this is life or death for me. Every day is life or death. And I choose life. I choose to, to play it my way because that's, I don't know, you know, when I was five, I was five years old when my mom committed suicide. So obviously, you know, it did a lot of things for me as a little girl growing up. But it was there, it was through that process that I needed to break the rules because I created a little story in my mind that I wasn't enough. I believed that I wasn't good enough, that she wouldn't stay for me and fight for me. So then there must be something wrong with me. And that made me quite a rebel. That made me outspoken and, and, and lashing out at, at life because there was a lie that I created to protect myself. This was a story that I created and I needed to break that. I needed to say, but you're not unworthy. You're not stupid. You're not ugly. You're not useless. You are worth fighting for. Just because she chose not to fight for you doesn't mean that you're not worthy of it. And I needed to be that person to fight for myself. But I had to go through a lot of downs, you know, a lot of challenges in life. And it was, you know, I always believe there's there's a lesson to be learned in every single situation that that um, life gives you. But what do you make with it? You know, what do you make with that story? What do you make with that challenge? You turn it into an opportunity. So that for me was I needed to see life as fun. I needed to see the light in every single day. So every day when I wake up, I needed to choose life. I couldn't afford to be like her and choose death. I can't <laughs> be that person. So I have to force myself daily out of my comfort zone to be the light, to be life, to be a winner. Because the, up, the opposite is just too much to be. But it takes you, obviously, a while to get there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, I do take love very seriously, but I do have fun and I do see the positive in every single thing. So you mentioned there about comfort zone. Um, 
a lot of us do hang out in our comfort zone because it feels safe. Mm. We know what's expected of us. People around us become predictable. If you're predictable, mm -hmm. people are kind of familiar with us. We don't have to think too hard about what we're going to wear tomorrow, what we're going to do tomorrow, because our comfort zone predetermines what we're doing, doesn't it? And of course. And people are worried about getting into what, you know, jumping over their stretch into their panic zone and finding themselves out of their depth. Anxiety rises. Um, that feeling of imposter syndrome you mentioned earlier, the, the incompetency in your head shrubs yeah. up or, or suddenly you, you haven't got a rule. What, what am I supposed to do today? What if yeah. I haven't got any rules? What do I do? I need someone to tell me yeah. what to do or something. So, yes. so how, how, how do people move it well, without, without bursting out in a, in, in yeah, into, into outer space how do they get into their stretch zone in a safe way without, mm. without... it's you, you know about the um a, a great rule i love this rule you need to challenge yourself daily but you must always have a safety net so as long as you challenge yourself in a supportive manner and that means surrounding yourself by people that are there to 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 catch you when you fall because you will fall quite a few times so you've got to have someone to have your back. But preferably, number one first choice is that you have got your own back. And that takes confidence. That takes daily practice every day, putting yourself out there, failing and try again, failing and try again. The more you do it, it will become autopilot. And it's not so scary because, honestly, the worst thing that can happen when you, when you fail is someone said, oh, my God, that was ridiculous. I can't believe that she just did that. So what? Who's that person? That person's not going to make or break your career or your life. It's not the end of the world when you look stupid. You look stupid only if you allow them to think that you look stupid. If you fail and you wear it with pride and say, that's my failure, I did that, I, you don't know how much failure I took to get to that point. <laughs> You know, where, where your worst, um, you know, people, the, the things that people can make fun of you, own it, own it. If you don't make a big deal about your failure or challenges or things that you find embarrassed, embarrassing about you, then others people can't make fun of you. They can't poke, poke at you. And obviously the worst thing that can happen is you die. But if you ditch your assumptions and actually do your research, you'll find out that the chances of you dying when you do that is 99% incorrect. So it's a 1% chance that you might die by some obscene fluke of misfortune. <laughs> so really, the worst that can happen is you failed. That's it. S simple as that. Um, and I think that for me was a big thing that I had to keep on telling myself that I only, I'll only look stupid if I allow it. If I don't allow them to make me feel stupid about my choice, then they can't make me feel stupid. It's my choice. So I tell them I don't feel stupid. I'm actually quite proud of my failure. And then people laugh and carry on. They move on. That's very powerful what you're saying there. It's, we have the choice of how we feel when mm -hmm. someone interacts with us, when someone says something to us. Um, but it's not always easy, is it? You know, we know how we, we know we can react positively, we can react negatively. But many people are so used to feeling negative about something that, that, that sometimes that's their people are pushing their buttons sometimes. And yeah. it, it's no matter how, how tough and how we want to say, you don't have any power over me. Yeah. 
sometimes people find that crack in your armor and and, yes. and push it anyway don't they I'm, of course they i'm do. sure you have your moments you must have your moments as well of course they do and 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 we always laugh about it because it's my it's my weakness you know we've all got our weaknesses but again that comes with the uh, i call it ditching your assumptions is is what other people perceive you to be you need to know your own strengths and your weaknesses and if you can make fun of your own weaknesses, then no one else can. And but yes, you normally have that one or two people that know you very, very well. And they know that you hate that one thing. And they'll keep on doing that one thing. <laughs> you know what? Laughter is the best medicine. I know it's, it's really, really hard for us to just laugh at ourselves. And even laugh at the person. And yes, you know what? Sometimes you can just flip them the bird and walk away. And tomorrow you can like get them back and give them a little quirk or whatever. But the best medicine is just don't let it, don't let them see that it affects you. Because if you're immune to their jibes, then they, then you're not fun anymore for them. Because they just want to get a little bit of a, a little laughter out of, you know, saying that one thing they know is going to irritate you and you're going to get or fly off the handle. And I've got, unfortunately, one of those little tempers on me. So I have to always check myself <laughs> that I don't retaliate <laughs> and just and just pretend that it doesn't matter or, you know what, walk away. We can't control other people who, who's got nothing better to do in their lives than try and make you feel bad about yourself that's that's their that's their war they are fighting with themselves yeah and i think i think that's what you just said then yeah that's the war people fight with themselves it's it comes down to your own imposter syndrome your limiting beliefs your own self-worth your own self-belief um yeah. i mean i've been through phases of my life where i had to rebuild my self-worth my self-belief and hmm. I, I really had to focus on Liking myself first, believing in myself, yes, uh, and being a person that other people would like. It's because if you're a person that other people don't like, they're not going to like you. So you have to start focusing on your own self awareness of who you are and how you yes. come across. And if you, no matter who you are, if you're a dick, you're a dick, aren't you? If you, if you don't want to become across as a dick, then you've got to you've got to focus on that. Um, and maybe ask people. I mean, actually have some self awareness. How do I come across? Do I, am I a nice person? People go. Well, you're kind of okay, but really, yeah. At least when you're self-aware of, mm. of who you are and how you come across, then you can do something about it. And you have the choice then to be be the person you want to be. Mm. And you also have the choice for how you wish other people to perceive you. And mm. there's people who are free spirits who are really fantastic people to be around. And people are free spirits that are really hard work to be around. And if, if you're looking for mm. to be great fun to be around, then you have to be aware of what that means and how you have to adapt. Mm. So, great. yeah. And uh, I went through a phase in my life where I I changed too much at one in one go, about five yes. or six years ago. And yes. what I found was I didn't have anything to hang on to. Yes. It was, uh, I always I describe it as being a, being one of those gimbals where you got it just rotates in all different mm. planes. You don't know what's up, what's down what you're moving, which direction you're traveling. And sometimes you just need to be able to hang on to something, whether that's a stable job, stable family relationship, stable friendship relationship, even just having a home and a mm. stable income, sometimes mm. to hang on to. But when everything's rotating and you're mm. lost in space, mm. it is hard to find that horizon again, isn't it? Oh, yes. You, oh, my goodness. You, you're touching on exactly the thing that 
I've just been going through this this past two years, trying well to almost three years now. Um, new country, new environment, new everything, where you 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 leave behind everything that you know and everybody that knows you. It's your comfort zone. It's your safety net. And also this whole thing about the personality became quite evident for me. I was a nice person and everybody loved me and I had so many friends and so many contacts and network, whatever. I was, I was, I was loved. And here I come to a new country where I'm quite loud and I'm quite outspoken and, uh, you know, the British uh, market is quite demure, not demure, it's just um, – I think more reserved. Yes, more reserved. So I was I was quite a shock for a lot of people and it was a lot to handle and I needed to tone down a lot, a lot. But in the process, as I'm because I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a people pleaser. I want to be liked as much as I pretend to be a rebel. I still want to belong. I want to belong. I want to fit in. I want to find my tribe. And I've changed so much about me and who I am. But eventually, like you say, about this spinning in space, I was spinning in space. And I, I realized that I'm actually a horrible person. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've just become that person that I always tell, don't become that person. I've just become that person. You know, I became bitter and resentful. I'm like, how can they get on and I'm not? And it was just, I had to just let go, let go of all those limiting beliefs. You know, I had to break the rules again. And and decipher for myself what is acceptable. And yes, and be okay with not being liked in every single circle that I go. But that's fine because I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to be to enjoy life. And yes, I want to have people that uh, love spending time with me. And I think that that's what got me because you know in South Africa I had I had thirty whatever thirty eight years of my life to build a network around me where I had the opportunity to prove myself to people and they got time to know me. I gave and I received. I gave and I received. People knew me. So when I was a shitty person, it was okay because they forgave me because they remembered all the tons of good that I've done. Where, yeah, I don't have that. I don't have that years and years of of backup kindness to tap into I don't have that okay she's been a she's been a really horrible person this time around but I remember you know back then she actually did a really good thing I don't have the reserves and I needed to remind myself of that it's not their fault it's not my fault either but it's not their fault they're not trying to be mean or trying to you know make me feel unwelcome it's just my reserves is empty I need to fill that cup I need to fill that that building that relationship you know creating that mm. net of belonging <laughs> yeah I I, I I do a lot of self-reflection and uh, I I gave up drinking I stopped, I stopped drinking at the beginning of the year okay. so I think I'm about nearly 300 days 300 days almost, well done. without 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 drink and well done I realized that I was living sometimes to drink. Um, Too much of my social being was kind of involved alcohol. My wife and I, we'd go out 
to the pub, we go to this, we go to that, and we'd always end up having a drink. We'd come home on a Friday, we'd have a, we'd have a glass of wine or a bottle or two. I'd wake up on Saturday morning thinking, oh, my, oh, good. And I, I suddenly realised that also I didn't like the person I was as much as I liked when after a drink than I liked the person when I hadn't had a drink. Mm. And I realised that the person I was, I was becoming a person I didn't want to be when it was drinking. And it wasn't a problem. I wasn't a horrible or a nasty thing. I just realized I was doing things where the alcohol was kind of like the, the catalyst. And, yes. and now I haven't not had a drink for 300 days. There's events I go to now that I say, actually it's half 10. I don't, I've had enough now. I'm going to go to bed mm-hmm. or I'm going to stop. Or I'm going to do something yeah. different. Whereas mm-hmm. in the past, I would have been there at three, four o'clock in the morning until the bar shut. I got kicked out. Woke up the next morning feeling really too tired, feeling, mm-hmm. yes, I'd had a good night, but I was going to have a bad day. Yeah. So now I'm, I've spot my good nights for good days and mm-hmm. actually not feeling any guilt, not feeling mm-hmm. any any judgment. It's, people say, oh, you don't drink. I said, no, I'm not mm-hmm. having a drink today. You, you give it up forever. No, no, just today. Yeah. I'm at 300 days now, one day at a time. Sure. And when you get to that point, you think, actually, if I have a drink now, I have to reset that clock. I mean, I've got uh-huh. more investment in the 300 days than I have in wanting a drink. Oh, yes. And oh, yes. my goal at the beginning of the year was to become fitter. Mm. Yeah, I'm 57 years old. I yeah. want to make it to 75, it, okay. actively make it to 75. Nice nice to do actively to 80 as well. But I thought if I wait till I'm 70, that's too late. I've got to do it before I'm 60. Yes. So that was kind of my attitude that I – take command of my life mm. a to be the person i want to be to mm. do things i want to do not because i feel like i have to because of alcohol mm. and also uh be healthier and fitter and so i took i took that positive step at the beginning of the year I and i'm quite pleased with myself I, yeah, well so, done congratulations yeah, it's, it's really myself. hard yeah. i think it's um yeah. I, I, i've it's been five years now we've we've stopped drinking and smoking <laughs> five years ago and it's been quite the journey um for me, it was time, and yeah. I, I, I wanted my time back because I just spent so much time just drinking, and you know, then it's the after effects of recovery, yeah. and I was not a nice person when I was drinking, so that was my 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 personal um, reason was just to get my time back. And oh my goodness, I've just won so much more. <laughs> I've got so much yeah. time and creativity and energy. It's just I, I'd, I would never, ever go back, ever, never. Not worth it. Yeah. Another thing, when you start thinking about eating healthier as well and yes. having less takeouts or less eatouts, you then realise that most of your life is revolving around eating something or drinking something because what we're going to do today, well, normally we say, well, let's go to the pub for lunch or let's go here, we'll stop off there on the way and have something to eat. Yeah. You think, well, why is everything revolving around food or drinking alcohol in some respect? So, yeah, it really, it really takes a, a real re-engineering of your whole life mm. when you're making these different choices about what you want to do. And then you try, you, you have to really break through that and find new mm. activity. Yeah. I find it's deflecting for me. It was deflecting from from real, from, from life, from living every single day. Um, it was an escape because, you know, alcohol mm. – covers a lot of a lot of sins and a lot of emotions uh but it doesn't actually it just highlights it even more but um we've been Mm. trained that that's what it does you know having a cigarette or having a glass of wine will actually make you relaxed it's not true 
the opposite. It hypes you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I gave up smoking, what, 20, 20 years ago? Oof. It was the eve of my 39th birthday, I think it was. I, like you do, you're out, you're out drinking all night and you run out of cigarettes at 3 o'clock in the morning or something and there's nowhere's open, so you can't buy anymore. And I remember waking up the next morning, well, probably it's probably the next afternoon, it was such a good yeah. night out. And I felt really, really rough. I'd, I'd probably smoked 60 cigarettes the night before. My lungs, my whole, I just felt, you know, you feel that uh, yuck, don't you? Just feel, oh. <laughs> and by the time this hangover and smoking hangover had dissipate, dissipated, probably two or three days later, I hadn't had a cigarette for like three days. And I thought, wow. I, and, I didn't ha- and I didn't have any either wow. in the house. And it's kind of like, okay, well, I've done three days. Let's just keep going. And I, and I did. I just, I was just able to wow. remember how, I just remembered how bad I felt yesterday and the day before. And it made me go, God, do I really want to feel like that ever again in my life? No, I don't. And I just, from that point forward, it was a positive mindset that I just didn't want to smoke again. I changed my relationship with how I saw the cigarette. I saw it as something that made me feel, made me feel terrible, not made me feel good. Yes, yes, yes. And it's so important. And and that, you know, I, I often, when I coach people, there's like, I need I need that person to change. I need them to change. And I'm like, can you remember the last time you've changed? Can you remember the last time you broke a habit? You did. You gave up drinking or smoking or going out at night or whatever. It's hard. It's hard to change. It's hard to break habits. But everybody else must change. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> It is, yeah, and I think we get we get stuck on it. I call it this conveyor belt of life. You kind of get on it at an early age, and you pick up all these bags and baggage and all these collection of responsibilities. And society wants me to do this. So I've now I've got married, I've children, I've bought a house, got a mortgage, I've got dependents, I've got responsibilities at work. All this stuff, all this baggage, you pick it up. And I, I, yeah. I suddenly realised that I don't know if you've ever flown from Gatwick Airport, but when you get off. The taxi drops you outside. You've got these long travelators. Uh-huh. I remember you, you got these travelators. You've got your bags on it, and you're going. You, you're going. You're going to Spain on holiday. You're just going, and you're getting all on there. You've got your bags with, and you, then you get a little gap, and then you got to get on the next one. And you're going to Spain on holiday, and you keep going, and then you get through passport control, and you're going to Spain on holiday. You find another traveler. You're getting on it. And before you know it, you're going. You're going to Spain on holiday, and, and it, it, at one point, I just went whack. I hit that stop button and went. I don't want to go to Spain. I don't want to. I just want to. I just want to park my butt here for a minute and take stock of where I'm going because all I'm being told in my head is that I have to go to departures. I have to go on this plane because that's what I've decided. And it was yeah, the metaphorical decision was to hit that stop button and say, yeah. "Let me let me just park myself here and go where have I come from, where do I want to go, and make that decision." Mm. and not necessarily follow what everyone's expectations were. Mm. It was a, a real tricky time because that's when the gimbal wow. you know, floating around the space came around because you, you, you change too much. Wow. But if you're not careful, you, you get into your 40s and you just drift into your 50s and you're into your 50s, yeah. you drift into your 60s mm. because that momentum you had in your teens and 20s and 30s, you just mm. carry that momentum on. But that's, yeah. It's quite a and brave decision to hit that stop button sometimes and then people are like, you're crazy. Where's this person come from? Who are you? Yeah, it's it's also the energy I found your end was um, something I had to to tell myself or admit to myself because I, I I'm I'm thinking that I'm still superhuman I can do anything I can work 
12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't need rest. And then you have your your moments of you just complete burnout. And you're like, this this shouldn't be happening. This, I've been through that. I can't go through it again. That's just stupid. <laughs> you know, be, be, you know, go through your experiences once, learn from it and move on. But if it keeps on happening, seriously, then surely you must be the problem. And it's, it's about that exact same thing. It's being brave enough to rest. I, I always thought for, in our family, it's, it's a big, um, like a thing in the Erasmus family. You work, 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 work. From the moment you get up till evening, you must work, work, work. You must prove yourself. There's no time for lying around. There's no time for idleness. You prove your worth and how hard you work. And if you don't work hard, then you're not worthy of anything. And you dare not complain about anything because you don't work hard enough. If anything is going wrong in your life, it's because you don't work hard enough. <laughs> so it's been like, you know, years of indoctrinate of this is how life is and this is how it should be. And like, I dare not rest. Rest is for lazy people and I'm not a lazy person. It's like a swear word. Until I burn out. And uh, five years later, I burn out again. And then I was but I need to just rest. Rest is not weakness because it's in the resting period where all these thoughts come to you, all these ideas come to you and you realize, like you said, you realize what you do want and you realize what you don't want and then you go after what you do want and cut away all those unnecessary things that you pile on because you're too afraid to miss out on something important. So you just take, yes, you just accept everything. And you just want to be busy. So you don't have time to think about life and where you want to be. So yeah, resting is something whew, I'm still battling with it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I really, really battle with, with resting, but I'm getting better. Yeah, I, I'm getting better. I, I spent my IT career living on adrenaline stress and, and pressure. And you know, working all hours, yeah, I would always have this. I, I could, I could pull an all nighter. It wasn't just an all nighter because it start, it's an all dayer, then an all nighter, and then you finish at lunchtime the next day. So you've almost done those thirty six hours, <sighs> and you just live on it and you thrive on it. You think I'm the hero because I've done mm. this, I've delivered that. Mm. And now, four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock in the afternoon, my brain says. Time to think. Time to sit back. Time to time to wow. ideate. Time to relax. Oh, I don't rush. Wow. I don't rush out of bed. I I, I think I, I need my first two hours of the morning to to get my mind clear. Think about what I'm doing yeah. today. As you say, you need that. You need that brain space mm. to ideate to think. Mm. And I I heard it recently. Someone said, if you want something done efficiently, give it to a lazy person mm. because lazy people aren't lazy. <laughs> they just look for very optimal ways of delivering yes. things. <laughs> Whereas if you give it to someone who's an intensely multitasker, I can cope with everything, I do everything at yeah. once, then eventually what you end up doing is having a very complex process. Mm. Whereas I, 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 I heard that and thought, I'm quite happy to be lazy, but I'm not lazy. Mm. I just mm. think about things in a lot yes. of detail and then go, right, that's how we're going to do yeah. it. And it, I've kind of shrunk it all down into yes. simple steps. You're actually smart because you just choose the, 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 the path of least resistance. So you take the smartest, quickest route to get there, but you only get there because you took the time to think it through. Hmm. Where crazy people like me just <laughs> yeah. rush I mean, head it does mean I procrastinate. I do end up procrastinating, though. I do end up thinking about <laughs> things for a long time. But when I, when, I, when, I, when I get my pen on paper, poof, I can knock out 2,000 words. 
yeah. in half an hour to an hour. And it's, it's kind of my brain's already, I've written everything in my head and it just comes yeah. straight out of the paper. But like I say about speaking, I, I, I have it all in my head. I've got all these, yeah. all, all these paragraphs and boxes in my head. And I, I just trust my brain to deliver it because I've put so much thought into it. It may not look like I'm doing anything, wow. but it really, my, 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 my wow. subconscious and my conscious brains are is working on this stuff in the background. I love it. I love it. So inspirational. So you work with leaders. Is that is that that's uh, one of your um, core areas of expertise? You work with leaders. Yes, I help. I help um, CEOs to create a winning culture. So it's um, if organizations or management are struggling to connect with their teams, if they feel a bit disjointed, disconnected, and they don't know that the messages are not being relayed, the, there's no um, belonging, there's no inclusion, there's a lot of people leaving, um, there's obviously a big disconnect that's happening. So that's my area of expertise where I'll come in and find that little knots there's quite a few knots within the organization and unknotted for for them and bring the team alongside. So I, I don't uh, believe in just finding the solution and then handing it over to the team and say, here we go. This is the way we're going to go forward from now on. This is how we're running the com- country, uh, the, com- the, the company, and this is your role and responsibility. <laughs> Slip of the tongue, which was very obvious there. <laughs> It's supposed to yes. get um, <laughs> ultras. For someone listening to this podcast in the future, um, <laughs> we're at the end of October 2022 and the, uh, <laughs> the political state of, of the UK is kind of, um, we've gone from, was it four chancellors in, in four months, three oh. prime ministers, and oh. we're, we're waiting to find out what happens. Oh, we got to, through two monarchs as well in the last month or two. So, yeah, the, the, country, <laughs> the country is in flux uh, politically and spiritually so yeah it's yeah uh, so the, it was a bit of a fraud. so what, what i mean this putting our, our, our political issues aside for one second um what are the biggest mistakes you, you find that leaders make I mean, what's their challenge around because obviously it's not the team often it's mm. the leaders it mm. has the challenge doesn't it it's the disconnect. So they don't actually understand what the, 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 the teams are going through. They don't understand the task. They don't understand the challenges and they don't see the opportunities. They don't listen. So a lot of leaders just um, are, and it's not always the leader's fault. It's just they're busy. They are so busy running the, the show. They've got a big department or the entire company that they have to run. They, 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 overwhelmed they don't have time to go and sit with each team member and say what is your problem you know they don't have that that um time time is is not on their side so you need to get the each each team member needs to be a ceo so it's how to make each team member feel like they are the most valuable member in this organization and without their input and their collaboration working together the company can't go forward. So it's giving them the responsibility, but also the freedom to do the right thing. But that means that they've got the proper training. Have they got the tools? Do they understand the vision? And I think that's a a big problem that a lot of companies are going through is that the vision has changed. So a lot of them have started this company like 50, 20 years or 100 years ago, whatever It's, it's it's well-established organizations. The reason for their existence, have ad- they adapted. It's changed. It's no longer the same. 
yet they've still got the same policies and the same procedures and they've got the same roles as they did 50 years ago. You can't. You have to adapt. You have to change with the with the change. That is taking the reset, pressing the reset button and say, stop. Let's just let's just relook at where our company is at. So what where are we going? Do we have the same vision for this organization? What is the outcomes? And then how are we going to, to take this forward? And then you include the team and say, how can we achieve our vision? It's not about handing the, 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 the rules and the vision to the teams and say, this is what you do. You get them on board. So they create their unique little role and they know that the outcomes are X, Y, and Z because if they don't do what they need to do, then the team members on the left and right can't do what they do. They're collaborative. They each one have got a very important role to reach the end goal. So it's, it's about inclusion, right? It's, a, it's about giving them um, the appreciation that they, that they are valued and including them. Because I, I, so, I get so annoyed when I, when I see companies who's got this bright employees working for them. And then they come and bring big, big name consultants to come and tell them how to run their business. But they're employing those people. Those people that they employed have got the knowledge to tell them that. And they're paying them a salary every month, but they don't tap into their resources. They don't actually utilize their skills and their knowledge. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand why. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Your team is your biggest ambassador. Yeah. I'll leave you, you with that. The problem is, do you think part of the problem is that often leaders see their team leadership as being their second job. You know, their first job is their delivering of, of some sort of product or task or project or something, um, or doing leader stuff. Maybe the senior technician or the senior processor, because mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's what I find. You said the leaders don't have enough time to look after their teams. My view of leadership is the leader should be there primarily to focus on their teams and the stuff they have to do as well is the as well rather than the other way around. And what we need to do is create environments where leaders can succeed mm. in their team leadership and if and the stuff comes second. If, they, if they've got time for the stuff, Oof. then there's something wrong Oof. there. The leader needs to delegate. The leader needs to have an environment. Their leader needs to look at their workload and how they work there. Is, is it, you is the said it, Joanne. You said it. You said it. <laughs> That's exactly how it's how it's meant to be, but it, it doesn't. Because you know, I mean, once once you're up there, it's just it's so busy. You don't have time. You're like this rat race. You've got all these outcomes, and you've got to make profit, and your stakeholders are looking for results. It's all results driven. So I'm, I'm really happy. I'm excited to see that the world is changing slightly towards the wellness economy, you know, towards not just um, uh, productivity and profit outcome, but also about the wellness of, you know, people, planet and profit included. But it should be like a partnership between between all three. Because if you look after your people, your, your profit automatically will increase. It's 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 automatic. But a lot of people don't see yeah. it. They see people as a, a cost to the company. It's not a cost. It's a benefit. It's adding to your organization. And if they don't add, then yeah. you've employed the wrong person or maybe that role is no longer yeah. needed. 
you know, it's um, the hiring process. People are, yeah, people aren't overheads, are they? They're not overheads. They're contributing to the output or the productivity of a business. That if they're not, as you say, why why aren't they contributing to the overall? Pro- or or maybe it's some of it's a mindset shift. Mm. Rather than seeing someone who is an administrator as mm. being an overhead, you look at can you deliver the product without this person? No, in which case they're part of the product. Exactly. They're part of the part of the processing of that product. And I think I spent. 25 years running IT companies. And what I found was because I was IT technical myself, mm-hmm. I became the lead IT person with a buck stop yeah. with me all the time. Yes. So it meant I was always either micromanaging people or I was always being the technical super lead and okay. having to step in and help all the time. Mm-hmm. So it meant that I was never there to sort of look up, relax, mm-hmm. smell the coffee, and think strategically. I was too busy at the coalface managing two inches away from the from the from the wall. Oof. And now my business is uh, yes, I I did do most of the delivery, mm. but the people I I have a team around me, mm. they do things that I don't do, yeah. and I don't pretend to do graphic mm. design, social media. Yeah. I don't pretend to do business development. Mm. I've got an opinion on the res- on the outcome. I yeah. want more business. I want mm. this image of my business. So mm. I want I know what I want to see, but I don't I don't want to be part of the doing, which sure. means I can then nurture, encourage, and, and can help inspire because that that's what yeah. leaders are meant to do. They're supposed to inspire mm. the team to do their job uh, appropriately, you know. And um, I, I teach a lot about entrepreneurship, but it's uh, that's for for individuals. But at the at the the organizational level. It's about creating an entrepreneurial mindset for each of those team members. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the magic lie is if you can give them the skill to make that role theirs so that they are the business owner, magic happens. Yeah. Give them parameters, delegate authority, Correct. create expectations, awesome. manage by objectives. Yes. I, I'm a great believer in, in RAG, you know, red, amber, green. Yeah, mm-hmm. If everything's green, fine. If it starts going amber, let's have a look at that. If it's red, let's, let's look where the burning bridges are. Let's look at what we need to solve now. Yeah. But let's not pick apart green. If it's good, it's good. It's fine. We can talk about the talk about the amber and talk about the red stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a great believer in that. And I see the tech industry is doing that, you know, fail fast. So they, they, they're leaning more towards that that process. But um, I think the human the human aspect and the communication uh, uh, structures – might just need, need a little bit more mm. more work. Well, we've been yakking away here for well, 45, 50 <laughs> minutes. It's been fascinating to having a chat with you. We can do and another we, hour. <laughs> I, know, I know we could. We spent half an hour in the green room just getting to know each other beforehand, which is absolutely <laughs> amazing. So um, I know you have more to move on to. So, Lynn, tell us how people get hold of you. Um, I believe you've got some stuff on the go that you want to talk to the audience about so yeah just uh just say say how we get hold of you what's the best way sure um i think the the easiest way is probably on linkedin um it's literally just linkedin slash linearasmus l-y-n-n-e-r-a-s-m-u-s um my website is the same linearasmus.com where i help your uh, company to create a winning culture and I deliver that via keynotes or um, masterclasses uh, or coaching depending on what you need for your organization what level you are, are at and how disconnected you are 
Um, so yeah, that's my superpower and that's what I would love to help you in getting your team back on track and become unstoppable. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Well, so absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. And also a huge thank you to uh, you, the listeners, for tuning in, for getting to the end, listening in all this way. I do appreciate that. Uh, please do subscribe uh, to keep updated with future episodes of the Inclusion Bytes podcast. That's B-I-T-E-S. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, please share the links, please share the love. I've got a number of other exciting guests I know. No one could be as exciting as Lynn, but I'm sure you'll be equally as inspired by them over the next few weeks and months. And if you'd like to be a guest yourself, if you have something to say around inclusion, belonging, helping people thrive, uh, creating a positive environment in the workplace or even in society, then please do let me know. And of course, I always welcome feedback and suggestions on how we can improve the show. Just drop me a line to joe.lockwood at cchangehappen.co.uk. Finally, my name is Joanne Lockwood, and it's been an absolute pleasure to host this podcast for you today. Catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>